Walt Disney. Yes. Beloved, beloved figure of our of our pop culture. That's how they get you. Yada, yada yada. She eventually causes her own husband to be burned to death. And that makes me so happy on cold nights. It especially ended badly for the idiot Peckerwoods. Have a bottle oh, of wow. scotch. Okay, that's twice that he's mentioned redheads. <laughs> it is un-American to get in the way of our freedom to restrict people's freedoms. That was the point. Okay. Title. Yeah. Okay. But, I know plenty about but, these things. But, I love me some Bobby Drake. Yeah, well, yeah, if that's flame, all we've got, then we're darts. being really lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all bone. You can literally poke a hole in it as soon as someone gets pneumonia. Well, I'm yeah, not as old as you. Well, haha, motherfucker, I got a wizard. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history teacher with a side order of remedial reading at the middle grade level here in Northern California. And um, I just recently uh, started rereading The Fellowship of the Ring to my remedial reading kids since we're in distance learning and uh, our, our schedule is, is borked uh, one, one day a week. Uh, everything is cut in half. So, um, following the normal, uh, canned curriculum that we have doesn't work. So I'm using part of that time on that shortened day to just read aloud to them and have them listen to me as I'm reading. And, um, <clears throat> I didn't want to do, uh, JK Rowling because, I didn't want to do Harry Potter because J.K. Rowling has recently, you know, doubled and tripled and like, I don't know, sex toppled down on being a crappy human being. So um, I went with somebody whose uh, prejudices are uh, more more background latent rather than, you know, out there open in the public sphere. And I'm doing Tolkien instead. So um, I had forgotten just how kind of puckish his sense of humor is in the in the beginning when he's describing hobbits there's there's kind of a little bit of a there, there is a distinct level of of kind of kind of loving fun making yes uh yeah. in the way that he describes them it's and i had forgotten that almost yeah. yeah and it's 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 yeah so i'm i'm having a great time doing that how about you well, I before I introduce myself, I got to say that I think we found the most perfect version of distance learning for you, the Bard, is <laughs> to read Tolkien aloud to children. I think that's yeah, probably you're not yeah. wrong. So, but I am Damien Harmony. I am a Latin teacher up here in Northern California at a distance, um, and we are the the. There's no like reading out loud that's happening in English on my end, but there is a good deal of uh, video content that I've put out there for the students to hear me reading Latin aloud to them for very much the same kind of reason that you're reading to these kids is that the more words you hear, the more easy it will be to uptake those words when you read them. Uh, yeah, so, and it, yeah. yeah, it's it's a fluency thing. Mm-hmm. So on, on multiple levels, so, it's, yeah. it's nice to see both of us are essentially doing the same thing. Uh, to roughly the same level of reading, unfortunately. So, Sadly. <laughs> yeah. 
But you know, it, uh, hey, yeah. you know, there's no time like the present to do it. And good on yeah. you for finding yeah. a way to to continue that for them. So yeah, I I also had the opportunity opportunity. I'm being I'm being very very uh, uh, positive minded when I say that uh, to actually come up with my own exercise for supplemental coaching for these kids in the understanding of open vowels. Oh, good. Uh, and and you know. Finding finding where the syllable break is in a word, sure, which you know ties into a a conversation we actually had ourselves uh, online the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, just to let everybody else know, yeah. uh, we came to the conclusion uh, that the word fuck knuckle, um, yes, in 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 written form is only going to have is only going to have one k. Yeah, um, which which you know when when I when I first saw it written in that conversation I was like I don't know that I feel like there ought to be a second K and then I did out with a second K and I went no it's no there really shouldn't be K. it's really yeah. quite remarkable yeah no it just it looks bad so uh yeah uh and and that's again uh another that that ties in uh, although of course I didn't use that example <laughs> with my <laughs> seventh and eighth grade We'll give it to uh, them next week. Class, um, you know, I mean, I kind of wish. Yeah, well, you know, when, when they get to high school, if they're still working on this stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but telling them, okay, there's two consonants in the middle of the word. The break is going to be between the two consonants. If there's only one consonant right before that consonant. Right. So, you know, yeah. And and so then, you know, coaching them through that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it actually – you know, I had I had one of those moments of of whatever the opposite of uh, imposter syndrome is, where you walk away going, "I am a real boy." Oh, you know? I think it's just called feeling competent at the thing that you're good at. Okay, yeah, that yeah. Works. There's no word for so, it because yeah. it's not pathologized. It's just exceedingly rare. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So good yeah. for you. That's great. Yeah. And yes, no, I, was, I do was, think that uh, fuck knuckle is a worthy uh, discussion point um, for when I teach my students uh, scansion. So I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket. Uh, no, so. I, I think I think it's a great example. And, you know, based on what I know of Latin poetry and satire, I think you could probably get away with it. Oh, easily, easily. Also, there's no K <laughs> in Latin. So that makes it really easy. Like they're just That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, true. So, but actually there was a word that I saw re- recently and it said all the Ks were silent. Um and I can't remember what the word was. Um it might be knickerbocker. Yeah, knickerbocker. All the Ks are silent. Okay, you you can't see me right now cuz we're no. doing this, you know, via an audio Skype call, but um Oh my God! You just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of fun. Because, because, so. wow, that's not wrong. Uh huh. Yeah. So, all right. Hey, how about this? Why don't you uh, read to them uh, the next thing after Tolkien? Is give them a break in the Tolkien and and read them the um, the the Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> uh, really good way to segue into what we're talking about oh, uh, thank tonight. You. What a coincidence. Um, but, yeah, what a coincidence. Um, I don't think it's very good advice, uh, for the sake of my credential. Oh, you got, you got permanent. Just, you know, eh, yeah, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get that particular letter in my file. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, as, as Damien so very, very subtly points out, hmm. uh, when we, when we left off, um, 
we we had gotten through the history of the comics right uh basically up through the 1970s and um to kind of recap a little bit without going into too much detail of course um everything after 66 mm-hmm. in some way is a response to the tv series which in I, 66. by the way i i broke yeah. down and bought and, and and it got delivered, and my kids yeah. and I have watched four episodes, and my yeah. son is quoting the Penguin perpetually uh, oh, about my awesome. fine feathered fiends, um, and yes. and my daughter is yeah. watching the whole thing with us, and she just keeps looking at me. She's like, "This is so bad, but it's so good." <laughs> okay, and right. uh, so she so yeah. so have you had the conversation with her yet about what camp means? Uh, I have not broken it down entirely, but yeah, I've, I've touched on it and, uh, kind of a fun thing too, um, was that, uh, I taught her about how the tilted screen means bad guys, but then I pointed out Burgess Meredith. I said, Hey, do you remember that episode of twilight zone? I let you guys watch. And she's like, Oh yeah, yeah, where he's left alone. I'm like, that's the guy. Yeah. Blew her mind. (gasps) Yeah. Yo, well, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, in, with with the with the nose and the and the get up and the and the whole you know makeup and everything, yeah, no, mm-hmm. it, it totally would. Uh, you know, I remember the first of just Meredith as not the penguin. It blew my mind. Yeah, because <laughs> because for me for me the the exposure happened in in exactly the opposite order. You know, sure, um, sure. You got Rocky first because again, then, you know, no. as a as a youngster, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, good, yeah, funny, <laughs> no. Uh, Rocky was a was a was a whole lot later, um, but I, I I got I got the '66 Batman series first, mm-hmm. um, and then you know seeing Burgess Meredith not being a cartoonish bad guy was yeah kind of a mind blowing experience. I was like, wait, hold on, right? Because by that time I was old enough to realize, wait, that's the same dude, oh, like without what? anybody pointing it out, and I was like, oh wow, like. Whoa! Yeah. yeah. So, um, so they're all responding to the '66 version. So everybody's yeah. After after the TV series, in mm-hmm. in one way or another, either they're hewing to uh, the TV series and they're going you know bright colors, campy, kind of over the top, which is which is what the comic did for you know two or three years, or um, like the comic did in the very early '70s, they are running away from the TV series. Um, and, and trying to say, no, no, we're, we're going, we're going, this, this is, this is serious business, capital S, capital B. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the seventies, uh, we see the introduction of Ra's al Ghul, uh, and the League of Shadows and Talia al Ghul and, and all of, all of those, uh, uh, kind of elements. And the comic went, uh, took a very hard turn back toward being a detective comic. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, while at the same time within the greater DC continuity, of course, by that time, Batman had for a long time been a member of the JLA and he's wrapped up in, you know, as a supporting player in, in, in other storylines where, you know, the threats are global and it's not just Gotham. And so there's this weird kind of dichotomy going on. Right. Um, and then, um, do you think, and then in, do you oh, think by the ahead. way that that, that edging back toward the oh what's it called um the 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 detective comics do you think edging back yeah. toward that 
was partly in response to a loosening of the restrictions of the CCA. Because by the 80s, you do see that the CCA has relaxed a bit. Well, number one, the CCA has relaxed a bit, and more and more people are looking at it going, you know what, the hell with the CCA. I don't, I'm not going to worry about that. No, but uh, every, I mean, every comic was still aiming for getting that stamp on there, um, except for the episode where they dealt with heroin in Spider-Man. Yeah. They're like, well, just fucking do it without the CCA stamp, and nothing happened. But everybody kept sticking to the CCA stamp. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm 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 jumping ahead a little bit oh, when, when I say when I say what I said. But no, you're right. Um, there there was uh, relaxation of of the CCA's guidelines. They were they were no longer being quite as you know heavy handed. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think I think the two the two things are are inter intertwined for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, just because uh, I, I think I think a big part of it too was I mean we've we've spoken at length about just what a shit decade the seventies were. Yes. You know, and so you see this universal darkening, grimming kind of kind of influence on you know everywhere in popular culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and there had been, I mean, like in the '60s, there had been the beginnings of the moving of the movement toward anti-hero kind of stuff. Um, and and I think in the '70s, you really saw that get leaned into a lot in popular culture. Um, and and so I think it's it's kind of the same thing. I mean, it, of course, Batman's not becoming an anti-hero, but but that same tonal kind of shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, happened and and you know the idea of no no this is this is serious business uh, you know became a became a thing um, and so so through the 70s uh, you know we, we still see Batman in the blue and gray kind of kind of uniform with the with the yellow yeah the uh, yellow chest plate uh, uh, lozenge around yeah. back and that that doesn't wind up changing, even though the tone of the comics winds up becoming, I'm not going to say grim necessarily, but it does become more more serious. Um, you know, he's he's in in detective comics in particular. Um, you know, he he is a a uh, he is a detective, mm-hmm. and, and there's there's an emphasis on that, and the and the conflict between him and Rachel Ghoul has you know global stakes but it is a mental contest mm-hmm. it doesn't wind up being something that batman can solve with his fists and his martial arts skills oh. though those are, are, are necessary for the course of it it's it's a whole you know the, the whole the whole con one where you know rachel ghoul looks at him and says no no you're a worthy adversary and i actually want to try to make you into my heir and and Batman kind of has to go along with it in order to get into the organization to then take the organization down. Okay. And so there are parallels to you know undercover cop stories. Yeah, I was gonna say that that sounds you know, very much like Miami Vice style type stuff. Yeah, and 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 um, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit funny. I mean, it's very three color comics because he he winds up you know. Kind of, kind of acquiescing to to what Al Ghul is saying, but somehow Rachel Ghul, you know, knows a whole lot about the Batman 
But at the beginning of the storyline, when Rachel Ghoul is introduced, he doesn't know his secret identity. And so when Batman joins the organization, there's a whole lot of a whole lot of scenes in these series of comics where uh, Batman is having to do one thing or another as an initiation or whatever, and he has his shirt off, but he's still wearing his his costume tights. But it, but he's got no shirt on, but he still has from the neck up. He's still got on the cowl. <laughs> and so and and the thing is the writing was actually strong enough that you were able to look at those moments and go, yeah, all right, I'll allow it, whatever, keep going. Wow, you know? okay. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it, it was, um, again, a, a very, uh, you know, it was, it was a big shift from, from the, the over-the-top cartoony campy stuff. Right. So, uh, to a to a to a much more you know serious yeah noir again going back to noir kind of kind of tone and noir themes uh, is, within the storyline. Is he aged in this one? Is this the one where he's no. in his fifties? No, okay. no, no, no. Okay. Okay. no. That's that's actually that is actually the Dark Knight Returns, oh, and that's okay. Okay, that's that's the next step in the character's evolution. And the thing is, mm-hmm. so everything since sixty six. Mm-hmm has been a response to the TV series, one way or the other. Everything since 86 mm-hmm. has been a response to Frank Miller. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's that's kind of my thesis with, with what, I'm, what I'm talking about in this episode. Because, uh-huh. and, and everything we've been talking about, about in the 70s, is kind of, is kind of teeing me up for, uh, in, in 86, Miller came over to DC from Marvel. And uh, Miller had first gotten noticed in the industry for working on Daredevil. And if I and, recall correctly, Daredevil, um, again, we, we, we talked about that last time about how the, the names should be swapped. But if I recall yeah. correctly, Daredevil, um, like Miller really kind of stripped things down. Um, and But he did it in such a way that it was tasteful. So it was, it was great taste and less filling during Miller time. <laughs> oh man so what's what's the time mark on oh that it's one? 17 minutes i'm nowhere near okay. Uh, yeah. yeah okay All right. yeah. yeah um that's that's i ain't even mad no this time you're welcome. actually <laughs> that that you got me on that one i like that um so yeah no what what he what he became known for because he, he was Number one, he became known for if he was writing a comic, he better not be drawing it. And if he was drawing it, he better not be writing it. Because oh, if wow. he was doing if he was doing both jobs, mm-hmm. um, deadlines were were gonna die ugly. Um, but but as a as a writer, he he told these very and this is gonna be unsurprising to anybody who's seen other work of his, um, these, these very, uh, stoic borderline toxic masculinity kind of stories, uh, where, you know, in, in the case of daredevil, you know, the, the way, the way you got me with your pun was talking about stripping things down. He really right. did want putting, putting daredevil through a kind of a, a breaking him down to his core, mm-hmm. You know, forcing him to go back and you know relearn you know everything he knew, kind of kind of thing. See and, what sticks. 
Yeah, see see what sticks, see where you know where his real strength lay and all that kind of stuff. You missed it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I know it's late, so it's probably pretty foggy for you. Uh, <laughs> see, part of the thing is I'm I'm not I'm not a big Daredevil fan, so I'm uh, lagging. Okay, yeah. I'm lagging a couple of seconds behind the references cuz I got to go, "Oh, oh, yeah. foggy." Yeah. Yep. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you think right. you're some kind of kingpin? I, uh, you know, these puns are electrifying. What can I say? Take a stab at them. Oh, oh well done. Oh, thank you. Well done, electrifying. I okay. See that I appreciate. And taking a stab at them because that's how Bullseye killed her. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Too soon, dude. <laughs> You gotta um, hand it to Electra. You really do. Oh, ouch! I know. You know, funny, funny thing. Um, the the Foot Clan in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a knock on Daredevil. Is the whole yeah, fucking okay. thing? Yeah, okay. But yeah, right. but the yeah. Foot Clan, yeah, yeah is is yeah. totally a response to the hand. To, to the hand, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> like so. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, Frank Miller. Hmm. Uh, got kind of got his bones uh, working on Daredevil uh, by breaking all of Daredevils uh, in the comic, and then he came over to DC and and wound up. Um, they they kind of they had a plan for what they wanted him to do, and he he had an idea, uh, and that idea was the Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the the arc at the time. When it was serialized in 86, uh, it was just The Dark Knight. Uh, and the first issue was The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. And when the whole thing got put together in a trade paperback after the fact, it became the graphic novel that everybody knows today. Um, they stuck with the title, The Dark Knight Returns. And so now Miller did a couple of interesting things. Um, because the whole, the whole story is in a lot of ways, a deconstruction. It's a simultaneous deconstruction and reconstruction Mm -hmm. of who and who, who and what Batman is and, and like, how do we look at this character? And so Miller aged him up. Miller said, okay, so it's, 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 he, he set the comic in what was then the present time. It was 1986. Uh Uh-huh. And Bat, so Batman was now he, he aged him up to be in his mid fifties, which is younger than he actually would have been. But there you go, he, he aged him up to be you know late middle aged guy. And um, and then built the story around that 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 kind of being the the opening, the opening gambit is that you know Bruce Wayne, um, gave up being Batman because and this is interesting. Uh, he, he left the business of superheroing because Jason Todd got killed. Wow. Now here's the thing, of course, you're, you're, I know, I know what you're thinking Mm -hmm. in the actual comic continuity. Jason Todd doesn't die for another two years. Spoiler alert. Right. Get into that here in, in a little bit. But, um, but the idea of Jason Todd getting killed by the Joker, Mm hmm is is introduced kind of to the public consciousness in the dark knight returns 
because Jason, you know, Robin, Robin gets killed and Batman walks away. Right. And so because of his departure, uh, Gotham has turned into a crime riddled hellhole and a super gang calling themselves the mutants, uh, has arisen and they are running roughshod over the people of Gotham. Now I got to say, this is 86. You said, Yes. Okay, so mutants were a big freaking deal from 75 through about 83, 84. Um, so, uh, like, just, just in general, like, Marvel is, is like, carrying its own property on the back of the storylines having to do with mutants. So I find it very interesting that this is likely one of the first... Um, recent uses of that word in DC. I, I have no doubt that spy or that Superman probably fought somebody who's mutant X or whatever, but um Oh yeah, no, I'm sure you know, at some point. But, but in, in the in the in the in the more modern era yeah, as a group, that's yeah. really interesting that they become yeah. the foil the foil to the antagonist or to the protagonist and they are, yeah. you know, a large group. Yeah. Yeah. So so um over the course of the the three comic series, a new a new Robin shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Batman goes back out on the street because he sees the mutants. You know, he he realizes that you know the city needs me, and you know I got I got to get off my ass and I got to get out there. I got to do something about it. And um, a a young woman, a a teenage girl, who he winds up rescuing from an assault, a girl named Carrie Kelly uh winds up you know seeing him and she decides she's she's going to take Robin's place and so Carrie Kelly winds up taking over as Robin in okay. in the Dark Knight series okay when she when she shows up um she she you know buys buys a costume in a costume shop and goes looking for Batman on the street ah. when she finds him he he winds up taking her uh, <clears throat> he winds up taking her back to the Batcave, and uh, Alfred uh, basically tells him, uh, "I quit. You're not. You, I'm no. You're, you're not, not doing this again. Another kid. You're not no. endangering another kid. Not doing it. Um. And um. You know, Al- Alfred doesn't actually wind up leaving, but he does. He does basically say, "It's. It's. This is not. This is not good. You shouldn't be doing this." And explicitly, this this is one of the ways in which, and, and I'm going to kind of go back and forth in, in chronology out of the series here as stuff you know comes up. Mm-hmm. But but in that role, Alfred kind of winds up taking on the role of the reader because it's made very very clear that this is this is dangerous. Alfred has become um, our moral center. Yeah, Alfred. Alfred we're no becomes, longer becomes... identifying with Batman as the moral center. We're now seeing that Batman is breaking down and going too far. The beginnings of it, yeah. Okay, definitely. And uh, part of what winds up happening uh, is, and in, in the way the way we see just exactly how dangerous this is, is um, Batman uh, winds up. Uh, getting very, very seriously injured in a one-on-one fight against the leader of the mutants. Uh, okay. the, 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 mutant, the mutant leader, you know, basically, you know, uh, uh, pokes and prods him into, into a one-on-one, you know, channel, call, call, literally calls out the old man. 
and um you know uh carrie kelly winds up actually saving batman's bacon which is the reason he winds up taking her back to the bat cave in the first place um and so uh so so we have we have first off and and i want to pause here to kind of look at some of the themes we're already seeing here you've already pointed out uh alfred is is taking on a moral role for the reader uh, we see a we see a new Robin showing up, mm-hmm. not because the kid doesn't have any other place to go, mm-hmm. um, but because instead um, they they she is is hero worshiping him and wants to be his his protege. Okay, remember. Um, Jason Todd was, you know, a street kid that, that Batman took in because, you know, he didn't have any place else to go. Batman, you know, realized he, he needed somebody to be working with. The writers realized they still needed a Robin. And of course, Nightwing had gone off and was doing his own thing. Um, and now I'm blanking on the first Robin's, you know, actual name. Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson, thank you. Yeah, he's Nightwing. Dick Grayson, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Dick Dick Grayson uh, had started out having been orphaned by the mob, right, and didn't have any other place to go. Carrie Kelly has a life. She has friends. She has a social life. She has family, and and she comes looking for Batman. And this is in a setting in which it is taken for granted that Batman left left the streets he he left the the cape business and in that vacuum these hideous you know of hyper violent super gangs the mutants and and their ilk which are you know, actually I, I just I want to I keep fixating on them uh, it, it's kind of funny um but uh the Morlocks showed up in 83 in Marvel Comics yeah. So here we are, three years later. Uh, this is right around the time that Storm ends up defeating one of the head, uh, uh, Callisto. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. The yeah, leadership yeah. of that clan, um, and then yeah. she loses her powers, and she's got a mohawk. Um, it's also right around the time. Let's see, eighty six. We're talking Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome time. We're talking post apocalyptic yeah. stuff. So it's just kind of interesting oh, yeah. what's what's working its way through. Well, yeah, and and um, you know this this was also a period of time, you know, back in the late seventies. Of course, New York had been you know completely falling apart, and this is New York is, is where you know all of this stuff is being published. Oh yeah, Urban Blight. So, yeah. Oh yeah, Urban Urban Blight was a huge big deal because of the heroin uh, uh, and then yeah. later crack epidemics. Oh shit, yeah. I didn't even connect it to those. Uh, yeah. yeah. And and this is um, and well I'm I'm gonna get into oh Jesus more, and all the Death Wish movie sequels stuff. are coming out oh yeah wow yeah okay okay and Dirty Harry that was in the 70s though well yeah or but, were there other uh, sequels of that there were yeah okay uh, knockoffs Magnum Force okay oh the Deadpool um, I'm trying to remember what year the Deadpool was, but this, this was, this was the era of, you know, uh, public consciousness being full of everybody being terrified of urban blight, everybody being terrified of, 
you know, uh, uh, you know, hyper violence. This is where the talk about super predators. Okay, I gotta, I gotta stop started. you, stop you there uh, as well. We started this thing with me kind of calling out Batman for being the millionaire attacking newly white millionaires who clearly must have gotten their money through illegal means. Now yes. he's coming back as an older fellow, Charles Bronson style, and yeah. and taking on street gangs. Yep. And in so doing, uh, we, like you just said, super predators, which comes into the, the discussion in the late, in the early 90s. But the idea of street gangs and stuff like that is very much urban, city, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, people of color. Yeah. Now, so, what's interesting. More and, Batman and what beating I... up people of color so. people people well here's here's <laughs> sure. here's the thing sure, if sure. You actually if you actually look at the artwork in the dark knight yeah um there's there's vanishingly few people of color anywhere its own problem but yeah you're you're yeah kind of pointing yeah. well, out that I mean, no he's not attacking yeah. black kids and i i get that yeah. but this is so it's, clearly coded too oh yeah well yeah, yeah no I'm, I'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to undo w- yeah. what you're saying I, I am actually what i am actually pointing out is to the readership of the comic the coding was subliminal mm-hmm. um you know because you know <laughs> frank miller uh being himself a boomer um you know didn't didn't consciously think of the racial coding that was that was baked into this you know in the same way that tolkien didn't consciously think of the racial coding that was unfortunately involved in orcs right you know uh which was a whole other episode um you know it's 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 his his subconscious bias is is remaining kind of kind of sub sub rosa right uh through the whole um and and i mean you do see there are figures in the background, you know, the mutants are shown to be a, you know, multi-ethnic group of scum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of the, you know, face characters that we ever interact with are all, you know, bald headed white looking guys. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the coding of just the very idea of street gang in the eighties carried all kinds of racial, you know, uh, uh, overtones, but you know, in, in the comic, Mm -hmm. there was no representation, not even negative representation, um, which is again, its own issue. So, so part of, part of what I want to, what I want to get to though, in addition to, you know, the, the obvious, uh, you know, issues that you're bringing up, um, there's this very central idea that clearly the subtext is Batman was the force that was keeping all of this from happening. Mm-hmm. Like having, having him out there was the deterrent that prevented chaos from rising up from, from the underworld to threaten everybody. It's like a weird trickle down economic theory there. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you have this one really violent millionaire, then you're going to solve all. Yeah, everything else will fall into place. Yeah. Like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, and and then of course, you know, like I said, there's all the, there's all these issues of of you know tropes kind of taken out of out of westerns of you know the old gunfighter returning and, sure. and you know these these you know 
stoic, I got to be the one to solve this masculinity kind of stuff. Yep. And, um, you know, um, Harvey Dent shows up mm-hmm. in the comics, uh, known, you know, of course, Two Face. Yes. And in in this story, um, Two Face has undergone extensive uh, uh, psychiatric treatment, and he's had I don't even know how many tens of thousands of dollars of plastic surgery to fix his face, and so he's he's uh, re- he's he's heading back out into society, and a big part of this has been paid for by Bruce Wayne. Okay, you know, yeah, he's you know, been rehabilitated. He's, that rehabilitated it, yeah. and then this is this is victory, right? And um, early on in the series, Batman finds out that Dent is up to something. Like like some of the people who are who are committing some some armed robberies, some crimes. He finds out these guys are are somehow working for Dent, and he's not sure what's going on. But he he warns you know he warns Commissioner Gordon. I think there's something going on there. And so there's there's this, you know, from from the very opening of 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 the of the comic series, there's this re reintroduction of the idea. And and I think this is this is kind of where the codification of this into current canon kind of starts of Batman villains as as the mentally ill and mm-hmm. as the incorrigible mentally ill. Right. The the Irredeemable, irredeemable, can't be cured, can't be treated, scary, crazy people. Um, and you know, um, so Batman winds up uh, defeating the leader of the mutants, kind of with with Gordon. Gordon kind of arranges things so that Batman gets to handle the leader of the mutants because uh, Batman figured out how to how to get him arrested. But Gordon kind of sets it up so Batman can have the showdown with him. And then, like, I cannot stress enough how Batman's victory over the leader of the mutants is a complete raffle stomp. Like, like Miller went out of his way. Well, he he goes out of his way to show Batman not just defeating him, but breaking him humiliatingly in front of his in front of his people okay so just like just outclassing him at every turn well out not only outclassing him at every turn but the the art of it all is is i mean there is there is blood that we see Mm -hmm. uh very clearly there's a fair amount of it and and you know it's not just defeating him it is it is clearly you know, crippling kind of injuries. Uh, it's, okay. it's not merely Batman has him outclassed every turn. It's that, no, no, Batman beat the shit out of him. Okay, gotcha. It, it is the, the brutality of the thumping that he, that he gives this guy is emphasized it, 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 with, every, with every stroke of the pen in the artwork. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's as if, like, uh, you got a fencer from, like, I don't know, 400 years prior. He not only snipped off your buttons without leaving a mark, but then he also beat your face until it looked like hamburger. Yeah. Like both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, 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 um, you know, not, not only, not only did he show that he, he, he knows better, 
but he then, you know, left you maimed, you know, as a as a result. Right. Okay. Um. And so now here's here's the thing, mm-hmm. and and this 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 is where this is where Miller kind of gets very Miller, uh, or or where Miller starts showing us what his stuff is going to look like in years to come, because Batman crushes the leader of the mutants and the mutants see their leader get just like i said raffle stomped Mm -hmm. they 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 you know turn around they walk away because because clearly the charismatic leader has been defeated and so they're they're they, they don't have a movement they don't have any anything anything other than you know this this one individual leading them sure and so they turn around and they disband and some of them um, rename themselves the Sons of the Batman. And they either paint or tattoo, we're never really 100% sure, Batman's logo onto their faces. And they turn around and they start attacking other criminals. We, with the same, oh. same level of hyper-violence that they had been using against innocent people before. Okay, wow. That's... So it it feels a little guardian angel-y. Uh yeah. Yeah. Very very much. Yes. And um so then we cut away from that to a meeting between Superman and Ronald Reagan. Um I'm going to have to ask you to say that again. I think that Skype <laughs> dicked out in some way or something. Yeah. Um, it yeah. sounded like you said that um, Superman met with somebody who had less moral scruples than Lex Luthor. Yeah. Well, I, I said Ronald Reagan. And, and oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. That I is, did. Yeah. yeah. And, and your your evaluation there is, as we've discussed in prior episodes, not not wrong. Yeah. But yeah, um, so so Superman, we cut away to a meeting between Superman and President Ronald Reagan, because again, this was set in 1986. Right. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so so uh, Miller uh, has has President Reagan mention to Superman the events in Gotham, mm-hmm. and and Reagan says, um, you know. At some point, you may need to arrest Batman because, you know, now now he's turned around and he's got these, you know, hyperviolent gang people working for him. And, you know, we, we, we might, you know, we might need to step in and you might need to stop him. Superman tells tells Reagan, you know, well, you know, I, I might be able to talk to Bruce Wayne, you know, as as somebody who knows Batman, I might be able to talk to him. Sure, sure. And then same scene. As soon as that little snippet of conversation is done, the president then sends Superman, gives him the mission uh, to go to the fictional Latin American country of Corto Maltese, where we see where we see Superman fighting Soviet combat forces in in a a bush conflict that may start World War Three. Wow. Okay. So there's a few things going on here that show up in the movies, which this is why I love comic book movies is because if done right, you can stay faithful to the material. You can still service the fans and still come up with a fairly original take on it. 
Mm-hmm. So the place where Superman goes to, yeah, that's where Vicky Vale had just returned back from um, when she comes back to Gotham in the Tim Burton one. Oh yeah, she hands that's it to a uh, dude who played Arliss. I forget his name now, yeah. um, but uh, to to him and uh, Knox. Well, that's the character's name, and he's like, "Wow, a girl could get hurt doing this," but it was Cordo Mal- uh, Maltese. Um, and the hyper-violent Sons of Batman, um, you see an echo of that in the, uh, the Nolan, uh, second film, because there's a bunch of copycat Batmans, uh, who screw up his fight with, uh, and his bust of, of Scarecrow, and then one of whom gets abducted and tortured and killed by, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. I ain't wearing hockey pads. (laughs) Or hockey pants. Yeah. That was the one. I'm not yeah. wearing hockey pants. Yeah, so, which wow. is a pretty shitty argument, but whatever. Um, like, like I mean, I understand what you're trying to get to, but, like, there's a better way of saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, so what, what, what Miller is clearly kind of trying to say, mm-hmm. and, and the way he's characterizing Superman like throughout the series is Superman is the dutiful good boy who does what authority tells him. Yeah. And that winds up turning him into a tool. Mm-hmm. And and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into the details of exactly how that turns out here in, in a minute. But, but you know, Superman is the establishment guy in, in Miller's view, which isn't, entirely wrong but but you know uh superman represents you know law and authority and you know rightful rightful authority and whatever whatever and truth justice in the american way patriotism and all that Mm -hmm. and that means that to miller the logical extension of of all of that means he's going to wind up being a stooge of of the government Okay, of mm-hmm. of the specifically the federal government, he's going to wind up, you know, being, you know, uh, an errand of... boy sent to collect a butcher's bill. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wait, does and, that make and... Batman Kurtz? Uh, and Superman yeah. oh. is Martin Sheen's character. Oh shit! <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Because because well, he even says you just it, yeah. you just had to make friends with it, you know, with yeah. the, with the 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 horror and the terror, and that's yeah. always yeah. been the the difference between Batman and Superman. Is Batman is yeah. like you've 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 got to go am, for it. Yeah. I have darkness. I have the night. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay, that's brilliant. And I, I hate that I didn't think of it, (laughs) um, but yeah, so, so, so Superman goes off as, as the errand boy Mm -hmm. to go, to go act as, you know, Dr. Manhattan, uh, in, in this, in this, you know, third world, you know, Bush conflict. Mm -hmm. And, um, meanwhile, back in Gotham, no, 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 no. Yeah, um, Batman shows back up, uh-huh. and the Joker has been in a catatonic state in Arkham Asylum for some extended period of time. Mm-hmm. 
and we see the Joker in the asylum, catatonic, you know, head head to one side, staring off into the distance, you know, drooling on his pillow. And uh, the TV in the day room is on, and and news reveals that Batman has shown up, and the Joker wakes up. Oh. And uh, the Joker then, you know, he first he wakes up out of his catatonic state, and then he he uses his, you know, uh, uh, his, his sociopathy, his, his ability as a psychopath. Mm-hmm to manipulate the people around him into thinking he's well enough uh, to, to go on a, on a talk show, <laughs> which is I mean, kind of connect. Well, uh, Geraldo and Donahue yeah. were things. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so um, he, he winds up um, uh, murdering everybody in the audience with, with Joker gas. Of course. And, and escapes. And um, they wind up uh, tracking him to a fair. Mm-hmm. They, they, everybody's, everybody's having to avoid the police at this point. Um, and um, they, they track him to a fair. He's already trying to kill people. Uh, Batman follows him into a dark ride, the Tunnel of Love. Okay. Oh. And, Ooh, and okay. In, That's. And Okay. Yeah, it's it's yeah. yeah, it's like how many I know what's going to happen there is the opposite of love. Oh yeah. Um he he winds up uh beating the Joker within an inch of his life. Of course. And then the Joker kills himself. Oh. Commits suicide by breaking he breaks his own neck which like it's the ultimate you can't fire me I quit move. Yeah, the ultimate you can't fire me I quit, but he does it specifically in order to incriminate Batman for murder. Right. Okay. His final revenge. Yeah, his final revenge is no no, you you didn't kill me, but everybody will think you did. Basically. Kills himself. Mhm. And um at this point, uh, Commissioner. At this point in the series, Commissioner Gordon has stepped down as commissioner. He's handed things over to uh, an officer, uh, Captain Ellen Yindel, uh, who has basically said Batman's a wanted vigilante because now he's kind of the leader of a street gang without actually leading the street gang. And so, you know, Yindel and the police show up and they see the Joker is dead. Well, obviously, we know who did this. <laughs> right? And um, so now there's there's a manhunt on for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the the conflict in Cordo Maltese turns into World War Three. Right. And uh, the Soviets launch a nuclear warhead that Superman diverts from its target. Uh, he Superman is nearly killed by the by the by the nuke. Um, and he absorbs uh, the solar energy stored in the jungle, which, like, I don't know how okay. the physics works, but it's comic books. It's Superman, and okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because of the nuke going off, the United States gets hit by an EMP and massive blackout nationwide somehow, nationwide blackout. Don't know how, but, you know, comic book physics. Mm-hmm. Massive nationwide blackout. And um, Batman 
puts two and two together, figures out why there's this massive blackout. Um, and he goes to the, the, the leftovers of the mutants and to the sons of the Batman and turns them into a non like, like tells them, okay, no killing anybody, but there is nobody to, to keep order. Now there's, you know, we're in this blackout, absolute chaos. It's your job to now maintain order and, and turns them into essentially an army. Uh, and, and they collectively, there, there are scenes of them, you know, uh, punishing looters and, and, uh, you know, they, they, they somehow develop the, uh, discipline, like in, instantaneously through Batman's magical leadership abilities, they wind up developing the discipline to be the ones to oversee, uh, you know, the distribution of essential supplies to, to folks in town and all this. Right. Now, this this would have been in the minds of not necessarily children reading this, although I don't think children would have been reading this. Um, no. But no, this this was this was not right. a kitty kitty book. But this would have been in the minds of certainly New Yorkers who were adults at that time because there was the New York blackout. Yeah. And yep. and you've got the the hell, not the Hells Angels, the Guardian Angels. Yeah. Doing that thing, by the way. And, uh, and- I, I want to just circle back real quick to Yindel. Um, okay. Uh, male or female? Female. Ellen Yindel. Ellen Yindel. So I'm I'm imagining it's yeah. mid eighties. Yeah. I'm imagining short hair, and I'm imagining angular features, and kind of yeah. like if you were to say, "Hey, draw a feminist to <laughs> an unreconstructed male at the time." <laughs> She would be it. Uh yeah, you're not wrong. Okay. You're not wrong. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we're not. Uh, you know, having we're, we we don't have a video connection uh, right. right now, but but yes, um, okay. a a remarkably short haircut. Um, I'm I'm gonna say actually she she had almost the same haircut I had in 1986. <laughs> yeah. As a as you know, an 11 year old. Oh, she boy. had the Zool haircut then. Uh, no, oh, okay. no, I okay. didn't, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have the flat top. Oh, I, okay. I didn't, okay. that was, that wasn't 86. Okay. Um, but yeah, she, 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 yes, very much. Okay. Um, tasteful pantsuits most of the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With a pretty severe, well, I mean, not, no, uh, no? depends, depends on whether you're talking about in the comic or in the, uh, in the, in the movie adaptation, the animated adaptation of the comic. Oh, I'm going with the comic comic. Okay. In, yeah. in, in the comic modern fashions got modified to look kind of cyberpunk inflected. Okay. So she tended to wear a, a cyberpunk looking kind of trench coat with the collar up. Uh, oh, okay. kind of a, kind of a, kind of a, I, I want to say kind of a military cut where, where, you know, it's, it's very, very, uh, kind of double breasted looking with, with the, the, uh, panel across the chest that mm-hmm. like it opens from one side kind of right, thing. Right, right. So, yeah. Um, but, but yes, very much, uh, like you can tell from, from the shape of the eyes and the full lips that this is, that this is a female character, but all of the other cues are i'm i'm masculine. picturing i'm picturing like sean young from blade runner 
like that aesthetic. Um, that aesthetic, but with with a with with what at the time would have been labeled as a boy's haircut. Oh, okay. Okay. Because Sean Young had the had the big, you know, kind of kind of thirties gothic, you know, kind of kind of big high, oh, you know, hairdo okay. kind of. I thing. fell asleep she, during that movie, so I don't know. Yeah. You heathen. I don't like noir. Like it, it became painfully obvious that it was a noir film because I fell asleep. Like I was like, I woke back up. I'm like, oh, this shit's boring. Still, okay, okay. Fucking heretic. All right, fine. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry. So, World War Three. EMP. Yeah, so uh, the Guardian EMP Angels are handing out. shit out. Guardian Angels are handing. Yes, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, so so this winds up. So Gotham becomes the safest city in the United States. But because it's a police of, because state. Of, because of Batman and his vigilante thugs. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, this becomes embarrassing to the federal government. And so Reagan orders Superman to go bring Batman in. Wow. And there is there is an exchange between Superman and the president in which Superman says he's not going to come peacefully. And Reagan essentially says, well, you know, if you have to kill him. So be it. If he dies, you know, he dies. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very Draco going on there. Um, or Drago. 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 Yeah. So... Um, Batman winds up meeting up with Oliver Queen. Uh, Oliver Queen is, hang on, Green Lantern. No. Oh, fuck. Green, you're, you're close. Green Arrow. You're I'm sorry. Arrow. I had it in my head as Green Arrow. Because, okay, okay, here's why. Uh, on my clock at work, you know, back when we went places, yeah. um, we have <laughs> two different schedules. We have a Thursday schedule, and we have a all-the-other-days schedule. Okay. And so uh, the Thursday schedule is is, like, 47 minutes and the every other day schedule is um 55 minutes and it's just different enough that it will fuck up your whole plan if you don't take that into account and if you're looking up at the clock you're thinking all the days that aren't thursday so on thursday you're you're just dicked so what i did was i cut out yellow and green arrows to point them at the minutes hand uh, as to when that period would end so there's a, okay. a yellow one, a yellow two, a yellow three, a yellow four, a yellow five, a yellow six. Uh, there's a green one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, and there's one that says lunch for both of them, like when each period ends. So I can look okay. at a glance okay. and it's really easy. And kids okay. will ask, they're like, oh, what time does this class end? And I look up, I'm like, oh, we're on the Oliver Queen schedule. Nicely done. Yeah. And the kids, there's like some kids who get it and appreciate yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah. I like it. Yep. And, and those kids are your favorites, even though you don't have favorites. Yeah, well, you know, I'm their yeah, favorite yeah. is really what Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah okay, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's I, the most important. I'm a lot more discriminating <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, in terms right. of who that my works. favorites are. <laughs> okay, yes. that works. Yes. That works. So, uh, so, so. So he hooks up Bruce, with Oliver Bruce Queen. Wayne, Bruce Wayne meets up with Oliver Queen. Mm-hmm. And Oliver Queen tells him, um, you, you and Superman are going to have, are, are, you know, it's, it's going to have to come down to it. Now at this point, we we notice it 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 becomes clear that uh, Oliver Queen is missing a hand. Oliver Queen is dressed like somebody who's been on the lamb. Okay. 
and we find out kind of in subtext it's it's not right not quite completely made blatant but it it, it gets it gets close that um Oliver Queen has already been targeted by this government and Superman was who was sent to get him. Oh damn. Kay. Okay. And Superman, you know, calls the old man out, shows up in Gotham and says, you know, Batman, you know, you're you're a renegade, et cetera, et cetera. It's time, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta come in out of the cold. And so Wayne uh arranges their their showdown to happen in Crime Alley where Which where he first where his, became back yeah, where his parents say, died. Yeah, yeah. And he goes into the fight uh relying in part on the fact that Superman has been weakened after after the nuke. Okay. So he knows okay. he knows he knows that Batman's not or Superman rather. He knows that Superman is not anywhere near 100% that he's still recovering from this near death kind of experience that's and kind so, of like your 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 favorite samurai guy the guy that beat someone with an oar because he like yep. waited until yep. the sun was coming up and yes shit. all right uh-huh. cool uh yeah uh miyamoto Masashi. yeah so so soups of course being the boy scout tries to tell him you know look you got to come in sure you know i uh, the, the the literally the army is right behind me um and and Batman basically repeatedly throws him the finger. And uh he he shows up to the fight in a gigantic uh exosuit in a in a in a you know in in, in the Wayne Tech version of an Iron Man suit, basically. Yeah. This this uh, is the uh, we see an echo of this in the Batman versus Superman movie. Oh yeah. Literally oh, they're fighting, yeah. literally he's wearing the armor. Literally he's wearing yeah. Yeah. And so um, Superman manages to break the the exosuit, uh, but but Batman uh, or Superman manages to break the exosuit. Uh, but Batman has had Oliver Queen sitting in a third story window mm-hmm. with his bow and a kryptonite tipped arrow. Naturally, waiting waiting for the proper and, and has been leading Superman to the right spot for. Uh, uh, queen to shoot him, mm-hmm. and and there is this long moment in 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 the story mm-hmm. where Batman basically stands over Superman and has a has a long "This is why you suck" speech. Um, and and part of it is him saying. Um, I could have formulated that arrow to kill you stone fucking dead, but I didn't. And and um, he he basically says, I'm not I'm choosing not to kill you because that's not what I do. This is a warning. You stay away and you get out of my way. And in the middle of all that, he has a heart attack. He being Batman? Batman has a heart attack. Keels over and is apparently dead. Okay. Uh, Alfred Mm -hmm. uh, blows up the Batcave and Wayne Manor before dying of... And then then dies of a stroke. Okay, so hang on. Doesn't that pretty much give away who Batman is? Yep. Okay. 
yeah, he 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 exposes Batman as being Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. and the Wayne fortune has somehow completely disappeared. Ah. And after after Bruce Wayne's Batman's funeral, um, we we as the readers find out that his death was staged using his own, you know, chemistry genius. Sure. Uh, that suspend his vital signs. Clark Kent is at the funeral, and we see him wink at Robin after he hears Bruce Wayne's heartbeat start up again. Ah. Uh... And then at an indeterminate amount of time later, Bruce Wayne leads Robin, uh, Oliver Queen, and the rest of his followers, mm-hmm. so that vigilante army of his, into the caverns below the Batcave. And they, they, the idea is he's now going to be continuing his war on crime. Okay. So here's the thing. Every every storyline, every issue anybody has with Batman mm-hmm. since this story mm-hmm. is rooted in all of the stuff that gets introduced in this story. Because it, nearly everything that gets written after yeah. 86 is some kind of response somehow to this story. Yeah, I'm seeing like very thematically like... Um, there's certain things that were kind of itching under the surface and now we've just opened the whole wound. Like oh, yeah. the yeah. the stark difference between Batman and Superman philosophically plays out writ large now. Like there's no going back. They are clearly frenemies at best. Oh yeah. You know, it's not like yeah. it's not like, well, you and I are both heroes who wear capes, so we're friends now. And it's like, no, that's never gonna be again. So and it's it's interesting that that one of the things that Miller has said in interviews was part of his inspiration for writing the whole series was uh, all of the stories in the comics up to that point where Batman and Superman had been shown as being, you know, best buddies. Right. And and he was like, that always rubbed me so much the wrong way. Because, like, look at who these guys are. Sure. Like, look at the way these guys operate. Look at the differences in their philosophy. No. Now, um, anybody who has read Miller's other Batman work, mm-hmm. uh, most especially All-Star Batman and Robin, uh, known as Aspar, um, to, to, what? <laughs> to people, to people like me who are, who are critics of it. Um, in the in 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 the 2000s, uh, mm-hmm. there there was a series. There there is still on as far as I know, ongoing a, a series. All Star Batman and Robin. Aspar, oh, okay. Aspar. Aspar. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's Miller doing the writing and somebody else doing the artwork. Other people doing mm-hmm. the artwork. And Miller, since the 80s, I mean, M- Miller started out being, um. You know, kind of the comic book uh, uh, answer to uh, Stefan Milius, you know, um, or not Milius. Who am I thinking of? Oh, crap. Conan the Barbarian. Oh, Conan the Barbarian. Oh, Howard? No, no, the the movie. Um, John Milius. Yeah, John Milius. Thank you. Okay. He's he's kind of he's kind of the or the director uh, with the Nietzsche fixation. Um, Yeah, it's John Milius. 
Okay, John Milius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Because like, you said um, Stefan Milius. I'm like, uh, I know John Milius, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's okay. John. I'm thinking of John Milius. Gotcha. Uh, Miller Miller kind of started out in the 80s being comic, comics answer to John Milius. Okay. Uh, you know, I remember what I what I added to the script was a lot of guns. You know, that's right, that's right. kind of kind of Miller's ethos too. Um, you know, toxic masculinity. I I just like dumped the toxic masculinity in there. <laughs> and and he started out like that and then got worse. Mm-hmm. And there's a recurring theme in All Star Batman and Robin of like every other hero in the DC canon being like incompetent or somehow cartoonish. Right. Like Batman Uh, is superlative because they're all dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Batman is an asshole about it. Right. Like, like there's, there's a, there's a whole series of bits in, in AS bar where, you know, Batman knows he's going to have to deal with Hal Jordan one way or another, and he always shows up in a yellow costume, like, sure. like, like, with, you know, having, having, like, and you can see, like, Miller makes a point in the writing of, of somebody noticing that the paint on everything in the room is still wet, that he just had it all painted yellow <laughs> before Hal Jordan is going to show up, because that's his weakness, and how stupid right. is that weakness? Like, right. you know. That's that's the kind of writing that, that Miller does about all of the other heroes in 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 DC. Um, like it's really clear he just doesn't like them, you know. Um, you know Hal Jordan, like for some reason Hal Jordan in particular gets gets the short end of the stick. Oliver Queen a little bit less, but that's mostly because he's enough like Batman that you sure. know whatever he'll pass. And 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 Superman is just a tool. Like he's he's a patsy, he's a tool, you know. And that's all all that that's all about with with with, you know, his outlook on things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so in 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 The Dark Knight Returns, um, you know, that's that's the role that Superman winds up playing because Miller has this idea that anybody with that kind of optimism and that kind of genuine moral goodness has mm-hmm. to be kind of, kind of a simpleton. Well, you in know, those times, that that analysis is not too far from the mark. At that True. time, you know, in the, in the 80s, idealists were few and far between. Um, the last good one got attacked by a rabbit and then didn't get reelected. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting you point that out. Uh, the, the very last of the Merovingian kings uh-huh. uh, before, before, uh, the, the 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 Carol engines. There's there's actually a French children's song about the last of the Merovingian kings uh, that talks about him being afraid of a rabbit. Yeah. That was there was I mean Carolingian propaganda of course. But sure. Like still. Yeah. Yeah. It's inter- The parallel is interesting. It's <laughs> just that occurred to me. Sure. But yeah, so so Miller introduced like made all of this stuff blatant because Miller has never been subtle. Like read three hundred for God's sake. Like you'll see immediately subtle is not his bag. Right, right. Um, historical accuracy, context. Well, he's nuance, writing comic but, books. I mean, you know, dude, come on. You get a bit of a pass for being overwrought and ahistorical. 
it was, yeah, you do. but yeah. And at the same okay. time, uh, I would point out that, uh, well, I would point it out if I could remember his name. Uh, shit, what's his name? Um, not Miller, the other guy I always confuse him with, uh, Alan Moore. Um, oh, yeah. Alan Moore pointed out, he's like, look, comics are absolutely a, uh, a, a vulgar medium. Like, it's, it's for people who are poor to be able to read. So, yes. you know, yeah, there's, there's... And there's some other stuff that Alan Moore has yeah. said lately that we've already talked about. Yeah, and yeah. My, my opinion of Alan Moore has not been improved by the stuff that's come out of his mouth. But anyway... <laughs> Um, but anyway, Cal- yeah. So Miller, Cal- artistic genius, yeah. and kind of a crank. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Miller, I'm gonna stop shy of calling calling Miller an artistic genius, but definitely a a gifted artist mm-hmm. uh, and a towering crank. Um, <laughs> and and so yeah. So so the thing is this this modern conception that we have of Batman as being somebody who goes out and beats up on poor people and the mentally ill mm-hmm. and and who is just on the edge of unhinged. Right. That's all Miller. Like like the idea that, you know, Batman is just this rage beast mm-hmm. that is that is constantly on the edge of, of just going berserk and losing it. Mm-hmm. That is a hundred percent Miller. We don't we don't see that in his character, right? Until the Dark Knight. And in many ways, like you said, that was absolutely a repudiation of Camp Batman from the nineteen sixties. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was it was it was Frank Miller going, I'll I'll take your you know campy kitty show and tell you where to shove it because right. this is this is you know Batman's manly, right. Manly means he doesn't have any emotions other than anger. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't feel nothing. He doesn't have right. a sense of humor. He never right. laughs. You know, that's that's weak gay stuff, man. No. Yeah. That'd make him that'd make him like a Persian. <laughs> rather nice. than a Spartan. Yeah. Anyway, says the says the history teacher. Huh. Um <laughs> but, you know, so so yeah, um, I, I know that we're we're running running way up against past our, our time. So I I think uh, good. We got this, another this is... seven minutes before I'm going to start signaling to you. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, and and so Miller followed up uh, the Dark Knight mm-hmm. with Batman Year One. Okay. And, and Batman Year One was a. Not really a retcon, but it was it was delving into okay, no seriously, what what did the first year of Batman's career as a crime fighter in Gotham look like? Oh, okay. And the thing is, it's really weird to juxtapose Miller's work as as the writer and artist in in Dark Knight mm-hmm. with his work as only the writer, because again, timelines are a thing, and, right? You know. Uh, on on year one, and and in in year one, it is much less. There's there's not the same level of you know overt crypto fascist kind of messaging. You mm-hmm. know, strongman. You know, maintaining order by force over the underclass. There's not that same thing going on. It really is in many ways a return to his roots as a fighter against you know the corrupt elements within. 
the upper class and and law enforcement within Gotham. Mm-hmm. And and there's there there are some moments of of some really stellar dialogue. There's a really great moment where where Batman shows up. Uh, you know, he he somehow blows all the lights out at a at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, one of the mob bosses is hosting a whole bunch of glitterati from from the upper class of of Gotham society. Of course, everybody knows he's a mobster, right, you know. And, right. But but everybody's rich; nobody cares. Sure. And the lights go out, and and you know the window bangs open, and the next thing everybody sees is this cowled figure who has somehow landed in the middle of the of the dinner table mm-hmm. that everybody is sitting. And he has this great speech about, you know, you've been feasting while others have gone hungry and, you know, and, 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 you know, basically calls them out for all their corruption and, and, you know, basically says the time, your time of reckoning is at hand and then disappears like a ninja. And, and it's this remarkably populist, uh, you know, uh, uh, anti, anti-corrupt upper class, you know, kind of, kind of talk, you know, it should be noted. This is also uh, the same series in which, uh, Gordon at, at the same time, we, we also follow, you know, Gordon's first year, uh, in the, in the, uh, Gotham police department as a detective, Mm. uh, where, uh, the commissioner, the then commissioner, uh, tells Gordon's partner to essentially beat him nearly to death as a warning because Gordon is too upright and, and the rest of the, the rest of the forces is, is corrupt. And so he's a threat. Right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Gordon has, has the great internal line at one point, been a long time since I had to beat the crap out of a green beret. <laughs> And and somehow and, and like we never we never get that explained. Like we don't find out what his background is, but he winds up, no kidding, beating the absolute daylights out of this guy who we think at first is gonna wreck him. Right. Uh, he cheats, of course. He he somehow gets a hold of a baseball bat. But yeah, yeah. you know, he, Still. he winds up Yeah, and 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 he winds up sending a signal back to his boss by uh, you know, beating up the guy that was sent to beat him up and leaving him uh, handcuffed naked in the snow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so again, the hyper masculinity hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, and and the you know uh, Charles Bronson fan clubbing kind of stuff is is still you know in full effect. Sure. But the story, but the but the themes of the story and the scale of the story is way tighter. And, and I really think in some ways uh, people are going to call me a heretic for this, but I think in some ways it's a much better story just narratively Mm -hmm. because, because the stakes are lower. They're much, they're, they're just as intense because we're looking, we're looking at uh, Gordon's, Gordon's wife and his Gordon's pregnant wife is, is at one point threatened and, you know, and, and we're watching, you know, uh, Bruce has been away from Gotham for the last 15 years or, you know, something like it, uh, you know, studying martial arts and learning to be the world's best detective. Mm-hmm. And now it shows up and like on his first night, he like just messes everything up. Like he, 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 he botches a landing trying to jump between buildings and, and, you know, he's, he's very clearly still learning the ropes. Of, of what it is that he's that he's going to become, mm-hmm. and 
so it's 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 a really remarkable story and it reasserts a lot of things out of the canon and so there was this deconstruction that Miller did with the dark knight and then he he kind of reasserted a lot of stuff or or reconstructed a lot of things with year 1 and and again we we see the kind of the nascent beginnings of some of the of the you know colorful cartoonish villains but the real bad guys at the beginning of year 1 are again mobsters and corrupt cops mm. and and so in a way year 1 is is itself a response to his earlier work right literally months before on the dark knight and so you know but we but we do still see in this point you know uh we do still see the theme of batman dealing with common street criminals mm-hmm. a lot uh which is you know rich guy beating up on on the poor underclass um and and we see the very beginnings of the reintroduction of a joker um you know as a character sure and and i think kind of the last thing i want to point out about the dark knight because i know it's going to come up when we talk about the nolan films mm-hmm. there has been this tendency in the batman mythos in certainly in the 2000s to turn the Joker into this protean tied mystically somehow to Batman, you know, they're they're these two polar opposite kind of figures always circling each other kind of kind of thing in the mythos. Mm-hmm. Which wasn't there at the beginning of the Joker. The originally the Joker was, you know, a psychotic murderer. Right. And and, you know, and and a smart enough villain to be a threat to Batman, but that was that was kind of it. And the role of the Joker has changed into this this kind of you know again he's the nemesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this and this you know the the, the not merely uh, uh, nemesis but antithesis. Yes. And 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 I think part of that is owed to the Joker being in a catatonic state and suddenly waking up when Batman comes back. Mm -hmm. Because, because that, that is the first time that we see that connection, that weird level of, of like, you know, it's like there's this karmic dance between the two of them all. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Karmic is a great way of describing it or this, or this weird psychic quantum entanglement between them, you know? Um, And that's kind of the first time we see that happen in the mythos. And, so, so those are elements of the modern character mm-hmm. that I that I think you know we need we need to be you know any anytime we see that come up it's it's good to remember oh hey we're looking at Miller um, you know for a variety of reasons and you know next I want to talk uh, about uh, the Killing Joke yeah. And Alan Moore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. He got mentioned a moment ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I, but I think uh, that's that's going to take more time than we have left in in this particular episode. So what what is your biggest takeaway at this point? 
Um, I'm starting to see a lot of the elements. Uh, it, you know, it's similar to... Okay, so I love Marvel movies. I, I don't really, you know, love DC movies. And in Marvel movies, what I've really enjoyed was the fan service that they've done where they'll they'll it'll be a throwaway line but they'll put something in there that i'm like oh that's from the comics uh or oh that's from this storyline or you know whatever like the whole infinity war and endgame was exactly that um and same goes for uh star wars movies now that disney has bought it and rendered all of the uh books to be not canon now they're taking the best parts of those books and incorporating them into the movies and into the series that they make. And I love when they do that because it is the things that I love getting shown on screen. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's kind of cool to see that uh, that there are those same things happening through the Batman movie franchises. I really like oh, yeah, that. A big yeah. and, and I do think it's interesting that, you know, in 1966, you still had people supporting World War, uh, not World War, uh, the Vietnam War. Vietnam. at overwhelming numbers and then by 68 you start to see that slipping away and i forget what year it actually tips um but uh by 1986 there is such a cynicism that grabs a hold of our culture that there is such a distrust of all of us as well as the government that um that superman is now a tool of a system that is inexorably broken and that yeah. Batman is the one thing standing in the way of total chaos of multi-ethnic gangs. Uh, yeah. You know, if they were just white gangs, then at least they'd be respectable and rich, and then he could just fight them. <laughs> uh, but uh, instead, they're multi-ethnic, so you know they're a problem. Uh, but um, what do you call it? Uh, just just that uh, you've got this 1986, the, the beginning of the desire to isolate from to resegregate because of the the problems that have been caused by never fully desegregating um starting to show Mm -hmm. up in the culture and that's being reflected in the darker grittier um you know gravelly voiced uh more batman um in in the miller thing so i just you know again it product of the times um and Mm -hmm. i wonder how much he was purposely doing and how much it was just you know, sticking to our thesis of authorial t- intent doesn't mean dick. It, you know, Miller, <laughs> Miller is one of those authors that, it, that it's really tough to tell mm. because like he, he will, he will say stuff like in interviews that, that makes you think really hard that, okay, this, this clearly, and, and I'm not talking about like, oh yeah, no, I totally meant to do that. But like he'll make remarks that make it seem like, okay, this sounds like a guy who did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. But then he'll turn around and say something else completely like asinine. And you're like, I don't know if this guy's smart enough to do that. Right. And I know, I know. And, and the thing is, you know, um, I, I know, I know that there are going to be people who are going to be like, man, man, you're, you're being mean. And I don't mean to say that that Miller isn't a smart guy. I mean that like he lets his mouth run, and and he's an unreconstructed boomer in so many ways that that it's it becomes hard for me to believe that he was doing it intentionally. Well, and in '86, being a boomer was not a bad thing. Being a boomer was being ascendant 
Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, this like true. boomers yeah. haven't been, I mean, they've always been shitty, but like society has like demanded more from them as far as the not yeah. being shitty part only recently. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So anyway, that's, right. that's, that's, yeah. Well, cool. Kinda, uh, kinda. so All where right. can people find you on the social medias? Uh, I can be found on, uh, let's see, on on Twitter, I'm at E.H. Blaylock. On the TikTok, I'm also at E.H. Blaylock. And on Instagram, I'm at Mr. Blaylock. And, of course, if anybody wants to point out uh, how how I've screwed up any part of the Batman timeline, if you want to come at me about my opinions of the Rachel Ghoul stories, or you're a, you know, Miller fanboy who you know wants to wants to tell me something uh, then you can you can find me at any of those addresses you can find us at geek history time and where can they find you uh, you can find uh, me at duh harmony on the twinstagram uh, and uh, yeah that's pretty much it uh, you can find me every Tuesday night on twitch.tv forward slash capital puns uh, that's still going strong, so come check that out. Support us. Um, and, yeah, please uh, tell your friends about this podcast. Rate, subscribe, review, that kind of thing. Uh, we, we would love to get our numbers up so that we could make some money off of this. Yeah, uh, it would be nice. That would be fun. Although we keep doing this for the love of it anyway. So, But don't let True. that stop you from giving us money. Yeah, that's, please. Yeah. So, All yeah. right. Well, uh, for Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I am darkness. I am the night. I'm Ed Blaylock. And keep rolling 20s. <laughs>